Amen. Okay, it's not because I'm nervous that I'm I'm trembling, but because uh, I'm unable to breathe. But but you know, sh uh, last week Pastor Cho asked as asked me requested that I would preach on restoration. But is it restoration or is it judgment? But either way, I pray that God will express His heart to you through today's sermon. And so many of you guys have this misconception that I've preached a lot. But honestly, I think this is only the second or third time that I've preached on Sunday. And so once when he was rotating the various uh, church members, and once uh, when he was coming back from Israel. So I've done a lot of early morning sermons and also lots of sermons for to the children. But Sunday, uh, because I am just simply um, an associate pastor, this is only my first time um, preaching. It's so... So your role as Aaron and Hur is really important. So if you say amen really loudly, and if I do go past five o'clock, don't stare at me with bad intent. So please uh, represent and, and say amen well, amen? So please pray for the people who are sick. Uh, many people are sick right now. I thought Pastor Chung was just sick, but but he's unable to even stand properly, and I think he he was very very ill. He was unable to eat, and I think so. It was either yesterday, or today was the first time he started to eat and being restored. And so his body is very um, is under great ailments, and so so everyone is being restored right now, and. And so through all of these things, we're going to uh, take our vengeance against the devil. Amen. And so God will repay the enemy. So with this in mind, let us confirm our victory and continue to fight in, in faith throughout this week. And I hope you would see the spiritual realm is that... We're enjoying this great victory right now. And ever, I think ever since um, Young Adult Conference, our church is covered in angels. And so these angels, it's not just one, but it's like an army. And... So, you know, like if you go to the terracotta army in China, 
right? Um, there's a burial ground where, where there's these um, clay figures of an army, and they're all built in in formations. And so there's angels like that here as well. So the interesting thing about this is that these these um, battalions are are divided into groups, into divisions, and. So among some of these groups, when you command them, it's like a green light or a blue light, uh, like this, like this, this angel that's really quick that that like share that like uh, when it flaps its wings, there's a rays of lights being flown out, and so and so these angels start flying, and as they fly, they send these these uh, rays, these rays of light flowing from their wings, and. And they break through this, 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 like, um, like this uh, filament, like this uh, plastic filament that, that keeps things from breaking through. And so these angels, as they break through that filament, uh, it breaks through these bindings that are holding this next generation down. And so this army, there's many, there's many of them, but they, they do not move unless you command them. And so you have to command them that you are the people of God. And so if you believe, then you will, you will command them and they will, they will respect your authority. And so, so uh, send your angels and, and, and command them. Amen. So is everyone here? And so I want to talk to you about the word of Hosea. And, you know, Pastor Mino Kim was preaching on this series about the Holy Spirit, and I wanted to extend on that. And so last year, uh, during the youth camp, I preached out of Galatians. And so I was thinking that maybe I should do Galatians again because Pastor Kim is preaching Galatians in, in Panama. But as I was praying, all of a sudden, I just changed to Hosea. It's still the same series on the Holy Spirit, but it's changed to Hosea. Are you curious why? Why did I all of a sudden change to Hosea? That if I explain. Okay. We've been continually talking about why, uh, about the Holy Spirit for the past four weeks. And so, are you walking with the Holy Spirit? Okay, be confident. Are you walking with the Holy Spirit? Are you living with the Holy Spirit? It's not important to remember the words, but it's important to embody the words. So, so it's not about remembering what was being said in those four weeks, but continue living with the Holy Spirit. So we've been talking about this series on the Holy Spirit. So what we need to first realize is why did the Holy Spirit come into us? I kept asking him, oh, why did the Holy Spirit come into us? And then she would respond, are you asking me? No, I'm not asking you. I'm just, just saying. So why did the Holy Spirit come? 
The Holy Spirit didn't come to scold you, didn't come to control you. The Holy Spirit came not to accuse us, not to scold us, not to control us, but because He wants us to grow into His image. Because He wants to be us to be the same as Him. That's why He is in you. So that you can perfect the image of God that you have been created in. And so that's why the Holy Spirit has come amongst you. So every now and then, I'm checking the worship of our children and their, and their, um, and their, and their, and their prayer. And so I'm um, having them go through some hard training and teaching them how to focus. So these kids, you know, I told, I told the kids that, you know, I, I am giving up my time for you, and yet there's not enough changing, so I'm going to take away your Saturdays. And so if they were unable to fight throughout the week, then I take their Saturdays from them. And there's this one kid. Who, who didn't have to come and says she, he would come. And I said, you don't have to come. And that kid said to me, I want to change. I want to be changed. It's a fifth grader that I want to be changed. And then so after joining on Saturday, that kid doesn't want to come ever again. But anyways, and so in this way, our children are changing. Are they being transformed? And so whenever I ask them that, uh, did they have a good service? They say that they were victorious. And I ask them, why were they victorious? That they heard the word very well, or, or they'll say various things. But look, the important thing is, is not, that, not that you don't peek when you're praying or or that you don't get angry in the middle of service, but because the Holy Spirit wants you to be like Him. The Holy Spirit is not making you into a better person, no. The Holy Spirit is making you be able to do what's impossible for you, right? To establish you as this kingly being. And so I thought for the longest time that I was living well in the Holy Spirit because, you know, I pray, I'm a minister, I'm a leader, but all of a sudden, I think it was one time when Pastor Yoon was preaching. He said, this life that comes from up above, this life that comes from out of this universe is something that's impossible, something that is beyond what we can comprehend. And this came as a shock to me that I was living my life very busily and thinking that I was doing the best. But is this my best or is this God's work? That's what I started to think to myself. And so when we think that we're doing well, look at what standard that you are using. It's because you think you are doing your best, but that's not why God came and saved you. 
God did not come to you so that you can do your best. God came to you so that you can you can do the impossible. God came to you to say, see that you will do greater works than these. And so the Holy Spirit came to you to show you who you truly are and to allow you to live in that way. And so if we want to live as who we are, then we need to know first who He is. Many times we only seek Him when we need Him. Right? Many times we only look to Him when we need Him. And so many times we just try to use God. Right? Someone comes to pray and saw that many people were praying. And this person was like, oh, these people were all praying for themselves, for themselves, looking for things for themselves. Oh, cleanse, cleanse, cleanse. Oh, it's too difficult right now. It's too hot, precious. And then another person is praying like, oh, I don't want to sin like this again. I don't want to do this sin again. I don't want to do that sin again. And so is is repenting in this. I'm not saying that these are bad things. There's this importance in these things in our prayer. But after this, they just left. And so is your the church your trash bin? Is it your personal um, dump? No, God wants to speak with you. So after cleansing, after repenting, He wants to speak to you. But all you do is clean, all you do is repent, and then, oh, I feel good about myself, and then you go home. So, brothers, I know many times we think that we are having fellowship with God, but we treat God as if He is our janitor. When I was young, when I was immature in my faith, When I was young, right, I, I would have God, I would have a fellowship with God in a very pure and innocent way, right? And so He would respond to me in an innocent and pure way. And what I used to say a lot very often was at that time, my Lord said to me is that you make my heart beat <laughs> and then also continually you might think to yourself does God have a heart no don't don't ru- don't ruin the moment you know so but as I matured in my faith and as I start to live my life for the church for the glory of God all of a sudden as I start to look at myself it seems as if my scale grew but this innocent, pure fellowship that I had with God, I, I, I lost sight of it. And as I was praying, as I was engaging in spiritual warfare for the church, I stopped for a moment and I said, Lord, how do you feel right now? I'm really excited in my prayer right now, but Lord, how do you feel? And as I was listening, he was so far away, so cold. And at that moment, I burst into tears. Why? Because I was thinking to myself, I thought I was praying well. And yet, as I took this moment to wait for God, to see what God was doing, I could feel his loneliness. 
You may think that you are praying well because of your passion, but God might be left alone. And other times I was, came to God with full of despair and I came to God and I said, God, aren't you disappointed? But God, was so excited and moving so passionately that I'm working so hard for you right now that above all else, I am pouring my everything to you. It's not because of what you've done, but because you are my child, that my, my effort doesn't stop because of you, your works, your actions. So what am I trying to say? It's not about my circumstances. It's not about my emotions. It's not about my standards. No. Many times we are turning away from God. Many times we are not facing God. And so even now I, pr I try to look to what God is saying when I pray. Amen? And so many times we say that we are living with the Holy Spirit. But instead of living with the Holy Spirit, we just try to cleanse ourselves. Many times we do things regardless of what the Holy Spirit is saying. So we say we believe in God. And yet it's like this. It's like, let's say your father. You, you send your father to the master bedroom and in the living room, you, you clean, you clean. So father, father, you're doing well because you are in the master bedroom. You're well and you're resting. And so I got to just work hard outside. And then, of course, I make meal for him and, and I get it ready for him. And then I go back out and then I'm doing things, but I'm having no fellowship with my father, right? And then so I go to my father and it's not as if I thought about what he wanted to say, what, what he wants. I just, just check that he's alive and then go back out. And so look, this is how we treat God many times, not caring about what he wants or how he feels. We confine him into the master bedroom and say that that's it. And instead of having fellowship with God, I just tell him what, my, what I want to say as my prayer. So many times we feel safe and secure because we lock him in this master bedroom. Many times that's how we live, right? And so I prepared from Hosea. And as you've heard through the words of Hosea, what was the reason that the Israel was lost, was, was destroyed, was judged? It's because they lacked knowledge of God. Is this knowledge um, just information in their brain? No, it's kinosko, experience. Experience, having fellowship with God. And so are you seeing yourself? So the reason why I'm talking about Hosea is because that's what Hosea says, is that my people are ruined for their lack of knowledge. And so why are they ruined? It's not because they lack knowledge of God but because they lack experience from God, because they do not know God at a personal level. They are not meeting with God. They are not experiencing God. That's why they are ruined. 
Amen. And so, why am I preaching out of Hosea? Because as I said, many times when we know God, we know God in a very religious way, where we just try to use God. And so in this time that we're trying to get friendly with God, all of this religiousness, let's get rid of it and really um, carry him in our hearts, be one with him and have and live a life that truly walks with him. And so this is why I prepared this word out of Hosea. Amen. And so today, as we talk about this Hosea series, let us embody this word. And so don't try to just remember this word through your mind. But Lord, even at this time, say, Lord, I want to experience you. Lord, how do you feel? It's not about my state. Even if I may be in despair, Lord, what, what, how do you feel? Maybe I may think I'm doing well, but Lord, how are you doing? And so ask, let's ask him and meet with him and return to God and know who he is. Amen. And so I prepared from Hosea 5 and 6. And Hosea 5 is once again confessing that Israel is being ruined because they lack knowledge. Because they do not know who God is, because they do not meet God, what seems great to the Israelites is Baal, the world. Because Baal seems great that you worship Baal, and that's why they live a syncretic life. And how far does that wickedness go? That as they serve Baal as an idol, they can no longer repent and return. And so in chapter 5, what we see is that Israel, who cannot repent, God cannot help but judge them. And so, did God give me this message of Hosea so that God can judge you? No, no, I don't think so. That's not what it is. But showing you, God is saying to you, look out, don't get to this, this point. Be careful. And also that God would help us to return. Amen? And so how does God judge? God judges Israel through the war, right? And so let's see this war as a background. And so, so that's why I prepared this, this PPT so that you could see what's going on in the historical context. So can you see this? And so... Let's see, look at the context of the, the historical context of his Hosea chapter 5. And so when Hosea um, prophesies, who was the king of northern Israel at the time when Hosea was prophesying? It's Jeroboam II. And how about the king of southern Judah? It's King Uzziah. When Hosea began his ministry, right, he prophesied from Uzziah to, Uzziah to Hezekiah. So northern Israel is Jeroboam II, and southern Judah is Uzziah. But now these kings are different, right? Because in chapter 5, 
is a different time. He's talking about that this warfare is going to happen, that these 15 years from now, this warfare is going to come. And so who is the king of northern Israel at that time? It's Pekah. And southern Judah, it's Ahaz, right? We see this in Isaiah as well. So Pekah is the king of northern Israel. During Jeroboam II reigns, Israel was very rich. Because what's over on this side is Aram. And then further east is Assyria. During Jeroboam II times, uh, Assyria was in the middle of civil war. But 15 years later, Assyria returns in power, returns in force. Why? Because who is the king? The king Tiglath-Pileser III. We are taking history time, so follow after me well. Okay, so repeat after me. Tiglath-Pileser III. And so this Tiglath-Pileser III um, reunifies, reunifies, um, Assyria and under his leadership Assyria becomes strong once again and and swallows swallows all of the um, neighbors that resist him and so um, King Pekka didn't want to um, give tribute and so with the king of Aram and the king of northern Israel, they make an alliance to fight against Assyria, to not give their tribute, but let's fight, right? And then they also ask southern Judah to, to unite with them, to make an alliance to fight against Assyria. And it'd be great if southern Judah followed, but do you think they did? No. No, we're, we're, fine, being, we're fine being under this tributary relationship with Assyria. And so southern Judah decides to take sides with Assyria. And so northern Israel and Aram wants Judah to take their side, but they don't take their side. And so Aram and northern Judah decides to first fight against Judah. They attack Judah. And what do they call this? They call this the Syrian Ephraim War. Why? Because northern Israel is Ephraim and Syria is Aram. And so Syria and Ephraim comes to attack north or southern Judah. And so southern Judah gets attacked, right? Gets attacked. But Ahaz tries to find a way to survive and so who does he ask for help remember who is southern Judah's on whose side is he on even though the prophet said not to say and yet the 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 king asks Assyria for help and Assyria comes to help so Tiglath-Pileser brings his army destroys Aram kills the king of Aram and attacks northern Israel and Pekah stays gets to survive because he surrenders and he gives all of the riches of northern Israel to to uh, Assyria so this is the historical context of chapter 5 
And why was this why was this happening? Because northern Israel was in a state that could not repent, and so God brings about this warfare. And so with this historical context in mind, let us look at today's text. <laughs> And so from now on, uh, the PPT will not show pictures, but it's only going to show words, but it's just the words of the Bible. And so in chapter 8, he's, he's proclaiming this warfare. Blow the horn in Gibeah and trumpet in Ramah. Sound the alarm in Beth Avon. We will follow you, O Benjamin. Okay. So I, I tried to act a little bit. This is the dramatic Bible. Blow the horn. Blow the trumpet. What does this mean? The trumpet is sound at the time of celebration or the time of warfare. And because a war is coming, a war is coming. Blow the horn, the trumpet. And where is this horn blown? In, I, I wrote it in red, in Gibeah and in Ramah. And so where is Gibeah, Ramath, and Bethaven? If you look at the if you look at the map. Can you guys see? I do not see the light. But if you look here, this is northern Israel and southern Judah. And so Gibeah, Ramah, and, and Beth Avon are on the borders and it actually belongs to Judah. And yet Assyria is coming to attack, right? right. Assyria is coming to attack. That means they're coming from the north. And yet the trumpet is being blown in the south. Isn't that strange? It's peculiar. They're coming from the north, and yet God is saying to blow the horn from the south. Because when Assyria comes to attack from the north, southern Judah attacks from the south to take back the land of Benjamin. And so God is judging Israel because of their sin. But they are like a, the middle of the sandwich, right? They are being attacked on both sides. And the important thing here, and so in Gibeah, Ramah, and Beth Aven, this trumpet is being blown. But what happens? As God is raising up this warfare, Northern Israel is going to be completely ruined. That I'm going to bring this warfare upon you. And this warfare is going to come at you from two sides. And you are going to become ruined. Wasteland. And this is what's important here. As Ephraim shall become a desolation in the day of punishment. Among the tribes of Israel, I make known what is true. So this make known is the word yada in Hebrew, right? I make known what is true. So yada, that 
I have brought this warfare and this warfare didn't just happen out of nowhere. It's not coincidence. Rather, I will make known that it is my hand that has driven this. So when God judges Israel, does he just judge them once? No. Through many prophets, they were warned and forewarned. And yet in chapter 5, because Israel has been continually ignoring the prophets, he says that if you live this way, you will be blessed. And if you live this way, you'll be cursed. I have reminded you and reminded you. And now you will see my hand moving. As I have spoken, you will see my words come to pass. Amen. And so, and so, though in one sense, it may seem as if this is a bad thing for Israel, but at the same time, this is also the blessing of Israel. Because unbelievers, the people of the world, don't know why they are ruined. They don't know why they go through hardships. But the people of God, Israel's, know exactly why. And so when blessings come, ah, this is a blessing from God. Ah, this is a judgment from God. And so this is the blessing of Israel, of the people of God, as us. That we can know when bad things happen, that it is God's judgment. That what the, when things happen to me is because God is pleased, is because God is displeased. This, be, this needs to be clear. Is this clear? If you have the word of God within you, then this will be clear. If you know the word of God and you are meeting with God, then this will be clear. Me having lots of money, is that a blessing? It could be a blessing, but that money could also be a curse. Why? Because God's prosperity isn't defined by how much money you have, how successful you are. No, it's about God's word. And so let's say you make lots of money, but God's word's not inside of you. Is that a blessing? That may not be a blessing. Look, I have authority of food. Uh, wherever I go, people bring, bring me food. And I thought this was my blessing. In the past, it was. But then all of a sudden, somebody came to me. Maybe you should reconsider whether this is a blessing or a curse. You may think this way. Oh, you must be nice that people buy you so much food. So I asked God one time, is this a blessing or a curse? And God said to me like this. I will not bless you. I will not curse you with foods. And so do not be displeased. My, my, my authority over food is a blessing. But anyways, what am I trying to say? If you are a child of God, if you belong, if you are a person of God, the things that happen to me, whether it's a blessing or a curse, must be clear, must be distinct. And so as I'm training our children to pray, I'm teaching them just to close their eyes for 10, 20 minutes. And so I ask them, what did they pray? They'll say, oh, I repented. Oh, I engaged in spiritual warfare. Oh, I've done this. I interceded for this. And the funniest thing is, is I prayed for blessing. So... So even our children reflect on themselves as they pray. If we have the word of God, then we need to reflect everything that happens to us throughout the day. That what that what I say is it coming what 
is driving it? Is it my own desires or is it God's? My actions, is it be being led by God or is it through the strength of the world? Is it through the strength of demons? This must be clear every day. And so when we live with the Holy Spirit, we are the people of God that has the word of God. Then at the very least, we need to live this life that reflects every day, reflects every day on what has driven us throughout our daily life. And so these days, Pastor Kim always says that everything that happens in our church is things that God is doing, whether it's a sickness a hardship in relationships, all of these things God is doing. So do you believe that everything that happens to you is allowed by God? Or do you think that it's because of that person? Or it's because of this circumstances? Is that how you're receiving it? Or, or God has abandoned me. Do you think that? God is speaking to you that uh, I make known what is sure. Yerbang Church, here, because I make known, I make known. And these days, I am, uh, we are reading uh, 1 Chronicles. And we're looking at Jeroboam the first. And Jeroboam keeps ignoring God. God says to the prophet, just say what I tell you to say. Don't even drink, don't eat. This is really difficult, isn't it? Right, that he has to do without eating. This is difficult. Don't drink, don't eat bread, and just say what I say and go back. And so the prophet goes and proclaims, makes the hand wither, and does all these crazy things. And then goes back home because he belonged to southern Judah. And he returns to southern Judah. And at that time, there's this uh, false prophet from Bethel goes. I don't know what, why he went, but he deceives that prophet. He says, I'm a prophet as well. And God spoke to me that, that you can eat. Oh, what good news, right? That you can eat. And so this prophet that was sent by God goes and eats. So that means he went against the will of God, right? And so if it was God, he would kill the false prophet, right? And yet, no. What strange thing happens here is that who did that word come to? Instead of coming to the true prophet, it came to the false prophet. And the false prophet receives the word of God and becomes a true prophet. And says to the true prophet from southern Judah that you cannot go home anymore. That you will die. To me, this was such a shocking passage in the Bible. So to the person that doesn't seem like God would work through.
can even work through false prophets according to his time. Even uses the mouth of an ass, right? Why am I saying this? Because right now is the time that God is making known what is sure. And so we should not judge people easily. That who knows if God is speaking through this person, through the person that you are looking down on, that you have hold with disdain. God might be speaking to you through that person. And so it's not time for us to blame other people. It's not time for us to blame our circumstances but we need to be vigilant to catch what God is trying to say to me. Let's say that a brother in his life was, was getting so angry at even the smallest things. God's answer came to him saying that right now that my heart is that person's feelings. So what does that mean? That I want to be angry at you as he is angry to you. That's what God said to this person. So if it was you, right, you would think that that person is wrong. That person is angry. But right now, that's not the season that we are on. Oh, oh I'm really sorry. She, she's kind of jumping around. But um, it's really important to uh, um, hear what God is saying to me. How God feels about me. That's what's important to see right now. So the next generation, our, our, our younger generation, are being blessed right now. They are starting to be transformed in amazing ways. God is really speaking to them. Why do you recognize what sin is? Because the Holy Spirit shows you what that sin is, right? The Holy Spirit convicts you of sins. So when we are walking with the Holy Spirit, it's not simply just confining Him in a compartment in your heart. No, you are, you are collaborating with Him, continually moving with Him. That's what it means to live with the Holy Spirit within you. So it's not just praying when you go, repenting when you come to pray. No, it's repenting at every moment. Living with the Holy Spirit isn't just confining Him to the master bedroom, but He is moving in you. His Word moves inside of you. His blood moves inside you. His Holy Spirit moves inside of you, continually convicting you of your sins, immediately repenting of those sins, constantly being vigilant. That's what it means to live with the Holy Spirit. This is grace. This is what it means that He is making known. 
he's not trying to accuse you. Rather, he is trying to cleanse you. That's why he is making it known. So it's not time for us to blame others. It's not time for us to judge others. It's time for us to turn our ears to God. We are loosening the binding of Panama. But this binding is this inability to recognize our sins. It's not just time to loosen the bindings of Panama, but also the bindings of our hearts that cannot recognize our sins. Lord, every day, the Holy Spirit is revealing, ah, oh, this is a sin. I'm, I, am dig- I am noble, and so I repent of these things. And so I hope that this heart would come up inside of us. And so God is making known what is sure. And so what sins were stored up that Israel is being made known sure? And so let's look. Verse 10. Shall we read it together? The princes of Judah have become like those who moved the landmark. Upon them I will pour out my wrath like water. And so he's proclaiming judgment on Israel, and yet he talks about the princes of Judah. Because it's not just simply judging the northern Israel, but southern Judah is also being judged. Why? Because what sin do they do? They are those who move the landmark. What is this? Let's look at this. What is this? It's a rock, right? And this is a landmark. It's a landmark marking the border. In the Old Testament, God distributes the land, right? This belongs to Benjamin. This belongs to Ephraim. So he distributes the land. And, and if you move this border mark, this is a sin. And so God puts these border marks. And yet, what are they doing? Even though it, God moved the, I, I made these distributions, I wake up this morning and all of a sudden, all, it seems like his land got bigger and my land got smaller. Someone moved the landmark. And the one who moved it is someone who's stronger than me. Then will you be able to do anything about it? No, you can't. And so when you move the landmark, what are you saying to God? You are taking from someone that God said, don't take. That means you are living out of your greed. You are living out of your selfish. Remember, what is northern Israel? What is southern Judah? They are brothers, and yet brothers are fighting amongst one another. And I told you, don't take Benjamin's land, and yet they're taking Benjamin's land through their weakness. That is your greed. That is your greed. You are using their weakness and to take advantage. That is greed. If the brother is failing, then you should re- you should uh, not rejoice. You should you should commiserate. And if the brother is doing well, you should rejoice with him, right? But the opposite happens. What is this? This is envy. And this comes out of greed. It comes out of self-centeredness. 
you try to take from your brother by taking advantage of your brother, you are holding him with disdain. If through your strength you can control them, then you, you hold them with disdain. You look down on them. And is this only the sin of southern Judah? Just look at 10 people around you. Do you see their goodness or do you see their weaknesses? Uh, if there's 100 people around me, I think 80% I look at their weaknesses. And so look at you or yourself. And these days, as I look at Ansip, there's reli- there, uh, religion, there's revival. There's revival. And at the time, they used to, at, when I first began, they used to talk about sins about, you know, going to the uh, karaoke bar, um, going to or watching things on the internet. But nowadays, what are the sins that they're talking about right now? Is anything that re- um, obstructs the work of the Holy Spirit? So like making fun of each other. Uh, It it seems like small things, but does the Holy Spirit uh, speak of it in small ways? No, the Holy Spirit speaks of it in very harsh ways. So let's say that Daniel, as he was praying, opening the window of his upper room and praying proudly, powerfully to God, let's say that the three friends of Daniel came and messed with him, like tickling him in his armpit. Would, would God look at that, like take that lightly? And so this is to the level that our children are growing. And not just our children, but also to us as a church. If we obstruct the Holy Spirit, obstruct the anointing, God does not treat the sin lightly. So how much more if we are hating one another, not forgiving one another, judging one another, seeing their weaknesses rather than their, their, their goodnesses? Check yourselves. Is this, does this... Is this truly the image of someone who has met with God? Is this truly someone who knows God? If the 10 people around you, nine of them are darkness, then are you living in the kingdom of light? So what does God say here? He says, upon them I will pour out my wrath like water. That I will pour out my wrath like a tsunami. You put me in your room filled with, filled with your darkness, filled with your wrath, filled with your hate. Then are you truly living with me? Then I will pour out my uh, wrath like water. And one of the great um, traps of Antichrist in our church is the inability to f- forgive. 
And this inability to forgive, it's not like, oh, I refuse to forgive that person. It's little things like, for example, oh, that person, that person, even if I speak to that person, there's no use. It, like they will not listen, right? Even these kinds of things. We have lost expectations for one another. We have lost hope for one another. We have no faith that God will work in each other. If you are meeting with God, that should not be the case. So the reason why Judah is being judged is because they are taking advantage of their brother's weakness. And so I will pour out my wrath like water. And so really, in our church, even forgiveness is battle. We have to battle against the inability to forgive. Because ultimately, it's not just that you're unwilling to forgive others. It's that you are unbelieving in God. So you need to fight. Fight. Fight against the spirit of Antichrist. And seek the spirit of forgiveness. Seek the grace of the blood. That Lord, I want to forgive. I want to love. That, Lord, if I have fellowship with God of love, then of course I should be filled with love. Amen? And so God makes known what is sure. Are you real? Are you true? Do you truly live with me? So verse 11. So let's read it all together. Ephraim is oppressed, crushed in judgment because he was determined to go after filth. And so now returns to Ephraim, to northern Israel. Southern Judah was envy, was greed, making use of the weakness, of the tragedy of, the, of their brother. Now here, this word uh, command is... Um, So she's using the Korean translation, which uses command. But here, here um, in, in the English, or at least in the ESV, it says filth, which is what she's trying to point out. She's trying to point out that it's this, this dirty thing, right? And so this filth. Instead of asking God, they're asking the world. They're asking what the world says, what people say. You say you know God, and yet why do you look to the world? You have fellowship with me, and yet why do you live after human precepts? That this is what northern Israel did. Instead of God, they look to people. Instead of God, they look at what world says. Instead of God, they look at money. Instead of the God, they're looking at their friends. Instead of God, they're looking at their families. And so this is where judgment is being poured out. So to northern Israel, they come to Aram and they ask, will we win or will we lose? This can also be applied to me. My happiness. My victory. We think that is determined by people, by the world. That, oh, if the world says I'm a failure, that I treat myself as a failure. No. There's many people who do this. Yeah. 
several days ago, I ended up having to do this uh, youth camp and I'm really busy. And so I really don't want to do it. And so, and our principal, she's very busy as well. I'm also busy, right? We're all busy. And so because she's busy, Pastor Kim said that, that, that our principal is busy, so take her, so give, so give her slack. And then so I said, Pastor, I'm busy as well. And do you know what he said? He said, did I ask you if you're busy? Did I ask you if you're busy? Why, why are you telling me you're busy? I don't care. No, that's not what I'm trying to say just earlier. I had so much to say to talk back, but I was unable to. Well, I mean, we're both busy. Why am I treated differently? And then... <laughs> so I remember one time Pastor Kim came up to us and was like, hey, this person is having a hard time, so help that person. And then so I went to him and said the same thing, that I'm having a hard time. And he said, you unbelieving pastor... It's the same busyness, right? It's the same difficulty. I say I'm busy. I say I'm having a hard time. And now I have to preach on Sunday as well. (laughs) And so I came, came to the conclusion that I shouldn't meet with Pastor Kim. I gotta avoid him or else because things just get harder and harder right it's strange right I say the same thing and yet he treats this person differently and treats me this way this may be funny to you but to me when the shadow of darkness comes over me what happens is it's like yeah you're right I'm just a slave right she's she's a princess and I'm just a slave the principal she's a princess so that's why Pastor Chung treats her with such royalty. But I'm a slave. That's why I was unable to get married. And so this is what happens when that shadow comes over you, right? This is the attitude that you have. And so you might laugh, but this was really difficult for me. Really, at times, like I was thinking to myself, like, right, right, I can't even say a thing. And it's not as if he's laughing when he says it. He's like, when did I ever ask you? And so up until that point, I realized that pastor's response defined me. And so I kept thinking that I was a slave, right? Yeah, I'm a slave. She's a princess. I'm a slave. She's a princess. And so I, so my, my identity was defined based on a person. So I keep trying to absorb all of these things as my hurts. So again, he treats me like a slave, right? In front of all my kids. 
And so every day after school now, they come to me and say, Pastor, you also have unbelief. Why are you saying something to me? And so what comes inside of me is that, why in front of the kids do you have to say, right? You don't, you don't, you don't curse the kids in front of their parents. And so in the same way, you shouldn't do that to me. And so like this, this kind of like bitterness would rise up inside of me and like would rise up. Chill. And so like the slave would come up to me and be like, hey, Nanyang, you and me, we're one. Right. And so. But then this word, as Pastor Kim was preaching about your identity, right, came to me and I could hear God saying, no, you are not a slave. And so because Pastor Kim's proclamation was so strong, I could not think of anything else. That word just came over me. That you are not a slave. You are a king. And so, yeah, that's right. I'm not a slave. I'm a king. And so all of a sudden I was able to catch myself. Why do we choose our wounds? Why do we choose our bitterness? The reason is because we think that this bitterness justifies us. We think that these wounds justify us, right? Why? Because that person made me have this difficult time. This person made me have a hard time. And so I am, I am a victim. I am a victim. I am a righteous victim. I deserve to be vindicated. And so when we choose our hurts, we think that we are winning. We think that we are being protected. And we think that if we forgive that person, that that person is just getting off the hook. That, that I cannot allow him to be happy. I cannot allow Pastor Kim to be happy. He has to know how difficult I'm having because of him. And so that way I can be justified. Do you think that Pastor Kim's happiness is determined based on whether I give up my hurts or not? If I don't get hurt, do you think God or Pastor Kim is going to lord it over me? No, he doesn't care, right? He doesn't think about it. He doesn't care. He doesn't even know that I'm having this difficulty. And so this is the great deception. It's not about who is victorious. I'm dying on my own. Many times we understand, we know this, but it's difficult. But no, it's not difficult. It's because you keep listening to that sound that you keep deceiving yourself. Just as I said earlier, because I heard the sound that says you're a king, everything else gets wiped away. But why am I unable to do it right now? It's because I'm not listening to the sound of God. Because you're following that sound. You're following that voice. You can choose what you listen to. Are you going to listen to God or are you going to listen to the devil? If you choose God, that's all that, that's game over. You don't have to choose anything else. Amen?
So when I was doing camp last year, I chose Galatians and I said, Amen. And then I started to have difficulty because I started to think to myself, is there going to be funny things coming out of Galatians? No, I don't need to think about that things, right? If God says do Galatians, then just do it and just follow after God. And so why do I fall into this hardship? It's because the Antichrist keeps putting these hooks in my thoughts. I just need to simply just think for God, but all these complications happen. And because of these complications, I keep thinking that it's impossible. It's not that it's impossible. It's that I keep listening to something else. Instead of listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, I'm listening to other things. No, we should just listen to just what the Holy Spirit says. Listen to just what God says. We don't have to hear anything else. You are grieved. You're a victim. No, who are you? Get away from me. And it's at this time that I fight as a king. But when you receive that spirit of slavery, at that moment, you lose all the strength. you got to keep letting that devil know who you are, that you are a king. we let our minds take control of us how much we follow after the devil we should just hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and when we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit this is what I mean by you being simplified everything becomes simplified because I just listen to just the Holy Spirit I don't need to hear anything else I just need to be simplified Lord help me to be simplified cleanse my mindset of all the thoughts of the Antichrist that I will let go of all my hurts my wounds my sense of victimizations all of these hurts I let it go as I've been fighting against the spirit of Antichrist this is what God is showing me inside of me all of this complications you choosing these thoughts you being deceived because of all these thoughts that you have let them go just let go of them realize that they are deceptions they are delusions let us listen to just the voice of God that all we have to do is listen to the voice of God amen and so this worldly standard, this humanism, all of these delusions, all of these things, God is judging Israel because of these things. Amen. And so let's move on. And so to Ephraim and Judah, as this sin rises past the threshold, what does God say? Verse 11, uh, verse 12. But I am like a moth to Ephraim and like dry rot to the house of Judah. And so because of their greed, because they keep judging one another, they keep being stored in this darkness, hearing the sound of the devil, hearing the noise of the world, because this wickedness, this evil gets stored inside of them, what does God become like to them? Becomes like moth, like dry rot. Oh, God is difficult. God causes all this hardship for me. God is unfair. He's unjust. God is always mean to me and only me. Is God truly good? Oh, it's so difficult to live with, this, with, with God. Don't tell me to live with God. We are to be pleased with God, right? We are to be pleasing to God and be pleased with God. That should be our only motivation. That should be our one hope. But instead, he becomes a burden. 
he becomes he becomes a hassle and so if this is characterizing you then you need to realize that already much sin has been stored up inside of you much greed has been stored up inside of you much of the world uh, the sound of the world much of the noise of the devil has been stored up inside of you amen And so I'm not trying to accuse you and make you feel guilty. No, I'm trying to show you that this is what God is making known inside of us. That this rot, this rot doesn't doesn't just uh, doesn't ruin your clothes overnight. No, every moment by moment, these choices that you make, you keep choosing things other, you keep choosing the sound of the devil. All of these things make this happen. It gets grower and larger and larger. And so examine yourself. Are you truly pleased with God? Are you truly pleasing to God? Then look at yourself. I have faith. What are you talking about? God is inside of me. Why do you keep attacking me? Why do you keep saying these things? My father is inside of me. Even this morning, I saw him in in the master bedroom that I provided him food by making my offering. Do you know how much I said to him? He didn't say anything back. (laughs) And so this is what we can see inside of ourselves. And so let us look, let us see ourselves more clearly. So verse 13. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah his wound. So up to this point, finally, what? They're realizing that they are sick. They're realizing that they have wounds. So do they repent? Oh, it would have been great if they repented, right? But next, then Ephraim went to Assyria and sent to the great king. But he... And so they realize that they have sickness and that they have this wound. And so they realize that they are suffering. But instead of seeing that it is God and that they return to God, where do they go? Right? What does what do they do? They go to Assyria. They go to the king. And so even though God gives this hardship to make known what is true, you turn to the world. You turn to people. Ah. The reason why I'm suffering is because I do not know, I do not have connections. The reason why I'm suffering is because I don't have money, because I don't have, uh, um, um, I don't have qualifications. It's because I don't have money. It's because I don't have connections. That's why people are looking down at me. So does this only apply to Israel? Does this only apply to Judah? No, it applies to us, right? Oh, Pastor Kim, Mrs. Ch- Mrs. Cho. Oh, they only look at people who who are who are who 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 are under them. Yeah, you know. You know, Pastor Cho. It's because she came out. She graduated from Iwa, and she is Mrs. Cho's sister. That's why. No, this is what happens, right? This is what happens, right? You, you shouldn't be looking at the greed that's rising up inside of you. You should look at how much you are filled by the sounds of the world, sounds of the devil, and yet you are going a different way. And so what does God say in verse 14? Oh, no. Oh, so rest of verse 13. But he is not able to cure you or heal your wound. And so verse 14, but I will be like a lion to Ephraim, like a young lion to the house of Judah. 
And so God is saying that I am the lion that is swallowing you. I am the lion that is tearing you to pieces. Is that true? And yet you keep blaming others. This is what God has done. That this is God's decision. That this is my decision to save my children. That I want them to to understand and to return. That the world cannot save you. That people cannot heal you. That the devil can do nothing for you. That you need to come to me because I have done it. That I am the lion that has come to kill you. I am the lion that has come to tear you to shreds. So everything that God is making known, whether it's a blessing or a curse, it needs to be to find in the light of God. Don't blame others. Don't blame what's inside of you. Don't blame your circumstances. Even my sins being revealed. If those sins are being revealed, then you should be going into holiness, growing in holiness. But if you're falling more into despair, then you need to turn back to God. Realize that you need to turn back to God. It's not looking at other people and blaming others, but you need to see that God is showing something inside of you. Let him be Lord over your life. Don't fall into despair, but let God touch you as he wants to touch you. Instead of trying to protect yourself, let him touch you. So verse 15, God is saying that I have revealed it. And so what does he say? I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. And in their distress, earnestly seek me. So now are they repenting? Are they repenting? As this warfare comes through this hardship, they see this sin And he's saying, he is prophesying that they will acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. But is this repentance? No, they did not yet repent. This is God's pity. This is God's regret. That I wish you guys would turn to me like this. I wish you would seek my face. That I will wait until the very end. That I will be long-suffering waiting for you. This is God's broken heart. And so repentance isn't about listing your, list, listing your sins before God. That's not what God wants out of repentance. What repentance is, is that when I sin, that energy that has built up inside of me, God, God's heart is broken over that. And so we need to feel that when we repent. It's not just simply listing out my sins. I did this. I did that. No, you need to feel God's brokenness because of my sins. And as I was meditating upon this word, I was remembering that time when I went to Israel. Remember, I gave you my testimony of what happened when I went to Israel. So I went to Israel twice and even now if you ask me the place that I want to go the most is Israel because Israel is where I feel the presence of God so much and yet at the same time the place that I suffered the most in my life is in Israel. And so I talked about my judgment of judging the leader this recent Israel but the first time I went to Israel 
it was time for God to show me for who I am. Remember, Israel is the apple of God's eye. And so when I was there, I could see everything being revealed, right? Deacon Lim, you were with me. You were with me. And when I went to Israel, Israel was so great. Galilee was so great. There was strong presence of God. And yet, where did it begin to become difficult? It became difficult when we went to Jerusalem. Because when you go to Jerusalem, where was the most powerful presence of God? It's in, it's in the Western Wall, right? And when I went there, because the anointing was so strong, I could tell where where that presence was but for the most part in Jerusalem more than the presence of God I feel the spirit of religion and so I so like my 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 back was breaking on me and as I was the leader there was all this um burden and then at the same time there was terrorism going on right um there would be like uh, mur- uh, uh, uh people dying and so and so we would see all this red tape and and so this burden as a leader, I feeling that I was not doing my role right. And so I wanted to hurry up and get out. Because I was having this hardship, I asked God, God, help me. I'm the leader, and yet I'm having such hardships that I want to go leave Israel immediately. And yet, what did God say to me? Oh, that I will help you not to uh, have this hardship? No, that's not what he said. He said, acknowledge me in all your ways. And so where there's strong presence, enjoy it. But in the place where you cannot feel the presence... See yourselves clearly. See yourself clearly. To tear your heart and have a contrite heart. And so in those hardships, I should should acknowledge and repent and empty myself. But instead, I'm having difficulty. Difficulty, right? Looking at all the difficulty and just blaming those, those circumstances. resisted against God because I feel like God is always making me have hardship making me go through things that I don't want to do why are you making my life so difficult and so I rebelled against God now of course I couldn't do this outwardly because I I had my team to lead and then I came to Korea and when I came to Korea as I was praying God poured out his presence very powerfully in my prayer And when I was going past the Western Wall, you know, that presence that came upon me, that same kind of presence came upon me. And and, 
And as that presence was being poured out upon me, this is what God said to me. That the Israel that you wanted to avoid is where my glory dwells. Is it because I'm powerless? And so in that place where I wanted to run away, if I could not feel God, is it because God was powerless? So what God said to me, it's not because I'm powerless, no, but because this land and this place, I have mercy, I have pity. And so I cried really hard that day because that image of Israel was me, right? Because that same religion, that same fear, that same despair, that same uh, um, abandonment of God is inside of me that wants to avoid the circumstances, that want to run away, that wants to hide, that is the same inside of me. And, and because I feel like God's not fixing me, that he is powerless, that he has nothing, that he is not a good God. So in the same way, that's what I'm proclaiming inside of me. But, and yet, what did God say to me? He said that, is it because I'm powerless? And yet I dwell in you and I have pity on you. I have mercy on you. It's because you, I have mercy on you. And so when I heard this, I repented deeply. Many times you want to run away from yourself, right? Many times you feel hopeless. And it feels as if God's not doing anything to you, that he's turning his way back on you, and that he is unjust towards you. And so you want to just run away, right? Many times. Even now, I wish I don't have to do this youth camp. I feel like I'm not worth it. I, I'm not worthy. I feel like I'm not, I'm not uh, qualified. And is it, am I powerless because God is powerless? No. What am I trying to say? When you face yourself, it's not about yourself. It's not yourself that you see. When you truly face yourselves, it's not the despair that you'll come across. You need to see that God is in you still. As you say, what is this? And yet God dwells inside of you. God is not powerless within you. He is having mercy on you. That he is waiting for you. That he is waiting for you to return. He is not just leaving you to your own devices. No, he is having mercy on you. That's what I came to realize. That, Lord, I've been only looking at myself. That when I looked at myself, of course I wanted to run away. Of course I wanted to give up. Of course I felt like it was hopeless. And yet God was there upholding me, telling me to not give up. In Israel, when I wanted to run away, God is still there holding on to Israel. It's not because he's powerless that nothing's happening. He is waiting for Israel. And so, as it says, I return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face and in their distress earnestly seek me. We need to hear that sound, hear his heart.
that Lord, it seems though it's hopeless, it seems as if God doesn't exist. But in that place, God is crying out, crying out for me to return. Though I feel apathetic, though I feel as if this world is, is so cold that I need to harden myself in order to be strong to survive. And yet even now, God's word is upholding me. Let us hear his cries, his desperate plea to us. Amen. And so God is long suffering for Israel to return. Now let's move on. So in chapter 5, God is showing why they are judged, why they are judged. That I am making it known that I am that lion. I want you to return. Do not be deceived. And so what does God say? This is God's hope for Israel. Let us read it. Come, let us return to the Lord. For he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down and he will bind us up. And so here it says, come, walk to him, right? Let us return. Shoo. It's not just walking, but changing your direction to face towards God. Instead of hearing the sound of that slavery, instead of hearing that sound of the world, instead of hearing the noise of the devil, we return to the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's pros. What is pros? It's about direction. Your direction. If your direction is towards God, does it just simply mean you walk around with your head in the sky saying, pros, pros, pros? Is that directing towards God? When you pray, you, you look up instead of looking down. Is that pros? No. God's direction means that you lay down your method, your ways, your thoughts, and you hold on to God's heart, God's thoughts, God's methods. It's not holding on to your delusions as you pray to God. No, you lay those things down. You return. You flee from sin. You let go of that sin and you look to God. That is pros. So come, let us return. Lay down those things that you hold on to. Lay down those things that hold you. Return. That he may heal us. That he will bind us up. And so, this is when you turn from those sins. Not after you turn, but look, look. It's not when you return that this heals, but healing happens. But look at this picture, right? This is the picture of the prodigal son. The father, what, did he forgive the son after the son returned? Did he say, oh, okay, since you humbled yourself and turned, to, came back, I will, I will forgive you? When, when Gomer, when Hosea brought Gomer back, did Hosea think, oh, it's because God commanded me, and so you just stay in your room? <laughs> Is that how Hosea treated Gomer? Don't even come out. Don't even think about stepping out of that room. <laughs> Is that God's healing? Is that God's forgiveness? 
we're laughing, right? And yet we shouldn't forgive because many times this is how we think. Right? Even as we're turning back, we're thinking, will God forgive me? Will God forgive me? Does he truly forgive me? So think about God's face when you return. Do you think that he's disappointed? Is that's how we think though, right? We think that he's going to be disappointed. But look at the father in this picture. Even a hundred times if you repent every single time, do you believe? Can do you is this how you think? And yet that is what God is. That God has already forgiven. It's not when you return that he forgives. He is already outside waiting for the prodigal son to return. And so even though the prodigal son returns with, filled with dust and the filth and being smelly, and yet he no recognizes him from far away, runs to him, runs to him, doesn't care about the filth that is on him, doesn't care about the smell, just runs to him. you, embraces you and clothes you with fine clothing and holds your hand and and, and takes the calf, slaughters the calf for a celebration. And not just any old calf, but this calf that has been prepared, right? Prepared. And so God has already forgiven you and he's waiting for you. And so when we return, Many times we think that we're going to sin again. And so a lot of times we cannot pray in faith even as we're repenting. I said that, oh, I'm not going to look at media again. But, I, you know, many times we think that we will look at media again. And we know that we will look at media again. That even though we repent, we have this fear that we're going to fall again. But think about it carefully. We are not returning to God after we are clean. We are not turning to God after I'm victorious over sin. If, the, if so, then you are Jesus. What does Hebrews 1.3 say? That Jesus who has purified us from sins. If not, then we, if it's according to what we think, then we should do it. We should heal ourselves. And yet, why even if... Deacon Pan was to sin again. Why do we have to go back to Jesus? Because we cannot be victorious over sin. Jesus is victorious over sin. As it says in Galatians, the desires of the flesh can only be overcome by the desires of the spirit. And so when we fall, what we... What do we need to realize is that, oh, my strength of the spirit is too weak. And so I need to turn to Jesus. And so don't think that, oh, he's not going to accept me because I'm dirty. No, Lord, I was too weak. I need you more. I need more of you. That, Lord, I cannot solve this sin on myself. So I come to you. Cleanse me again. 
This is the reason why we need to draw near to him. And yet many times this is deception that takes over us that, oh, I cannot go back to him because he's not going to like me. He's not going to accept me. No, it's Jesus who purifies us from all sin. That the only thing that can heal us, the only thing that can purify us is him. And so, Lord, I seek you. I come to you. Lord, I look to you. So the more we fall, the more we should turn to him. Amen. So we're almost finished. And so when it's not that he forgives us after we have returned already, he has forgiven us and is waiting for us, waiting for us that I will strengthen you. I will cleanse you. I will clothe you in glory and honor. That you are not going to be fed with the leftovers but a celebration of the feast of the slaughtered calf. This is grace, right? Of course, we need to turn to God. But God doesn't calculate based on how much you turn to God, right? It's grace. Of course, we have to turn our will to God, but God doesn't um, respond to us based on how much we turn to Him. No. Verse 2, let's read. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. And so I've forgiven you. I strengthen you. I wash you. I give you authority. But not only that, what does he say? That though you were like bones, I will resurrect you. Israel died, right? Right, the nation was wiped off the face of the earth, and yet God revived them. And so is it easy to restore a country that has been wiped off from the face of the earth? Right, we have been colonized by Japan, right? What year? Honestly, I didn't know it was 36 years, but... But yeah, it was 36 years, right? We were colonized by Japan for 36 years. And even with 36 years, was independence easy or difficult? Because of uh, there was much sacrifice needed. And I was not born during the Japanese colonialism. And yet I know so many Japanese words. I know so many Japanese words. These are all words that I use really often, right? Shoboro. Right. Thank <laughs> you. 
these are all Japanese words. And I was not born during colonialism. And it was only for 30 years, and yet that influence even comes to me. And so it's not easy for a country to be revo- revived. And yet Israel, for 3,000 years, wandered. Even, even just one, two generations of immigration, they lose their culture, right? But think about Israel for 3,000 years. And not only that, but 6 million of them get, get um, annihilated. And yet, is Israel revived or not? In 1946, Israel is reborn. This prophecy of Hosea comes. And so the nation, the people, their identity comes back alive. This is the life of resurrection. The life of resurrection was poured out. That as I prophesied in Hosea, that you will come back to life. And so even a country that has died 3,000 years ago was revived. Do you think God cannot revive you? God can revive you. Do you know what's more amazing than Israel? Is look at these kids. Just two years ago, when we had worship with them, What should we do with these kids? What can we do? Do we need to kick them out? It was not that long ago. And yet these kids have come alive, have been revived. Is it because... Is it because they gave up their phones and broke them? No. Now, of course, that response was important. As I said, God waits for you. He waits for you. But just because you turn to him one doesn't mean he repents to you one, right? Because God is not a cold calculating God. We live by grace. It's not about what I've done. God's amazing life is poured out upon us. That when God's life, resurrection life comes upon us, even this nation comes back to life, this youth group comes back to life. And so if you just believe, I will revive you. I will revive you. That I have not fled from you. That I have mercy on you. All you have to do is turn to me. Just believe and I will revive you. Amen. And so finally, verse 3. Let's read together. Enjoy. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. Let us know the Lord. Not with our minds, but let us meet with him. Let us seek him. Let us seek him and return to him. Let us turn to him. Think of him. Let us draw near to him. What do you think? God, what should I do? Help me, God. Lord, I need your strength. Continuously, blood of Jesus, 
blood of Jesus. Oh, continuously. Oh, this is sin. Acknowledge, acknowledge it with the word. Let the word circulate. Let the blood circulate. Let the, let the spirit circulate inside. Of Don't confine him into a room, but let him lord over your life. To walk with him hand in hand. That pour out your everything to this. Don't meditate on your slavery. Don't meditate on your hardships. Don't meditate on what the world says. But get pour out to know the Lord. Then, then even though you may be in darkness, like the dawn is sure, he will come upon you. Though you may be in this dry desert, as the rains fall, he will surely come. So, brothers, let us meet the Lord. Let us press on to choose Him alone. Let us press on to seek out what He says of us. And so this is God's word proclaimed to us through the book of Hosea. And so with this word in mind, let us sing this song. Lord, we thank you. Through your word, your will, your plans, and your heart for us has been proclaimed. Lord, as your word has been proclaimed, we want to respond. We do not want to let your words to just pass through our ears, but in faith we want to respond to your words. And so for this, Lord, every day, every moment, we want to know you. We want to meet with you. And through our meeting, we want to hear your voice. And through hearing your voice, may our plans, may our thoughts be laid down. And as we welcome your will, let us receive you. Pour out this faith upon us. We want to be free as you have ordained for us to live. That's how we want to live, according to that freedom, according to that glory. You who have not given up on us, who continues to press on for us, to receive us in your pleasure, we thank you. The devil has deceived us greatly, has deluded us, and we, as the deceived, we want to return to you. With faith as we turn to you, may your joy and your pleasure be evident to all. And so every day, every day, on the next time that we would seek you again and again. Lord, bless this offering today. That through this offering, may your will and your righteousness and your kingdom be expanded. In domestically, internationally, through these conferences, as your word is proclaimed, may your kingdom come to fruition. And may your children, your remnant be established. Use this offering. Use us, Lord. And Lord, upon our church and the businesses of our churches. May they be blessed. And now, by the grace of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, 
and through the holy love of God the Father and through the Holy Spirit uh, through the movement fulfilling and communion of the Holy Spirit upon the upon the family their businesses uh, may this blessing rest now and forevermore